0: he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Welcome to the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. I am Stephen McFarlane. And I'm Tim Young. And we have another exciting topic to discuss today. A bit of a continuation, I believe, Tim.
1: It is. We've been continuing on in our studies of faith. So we started off a couple podcasts ago talking about now faith is, really a definition of faith, where we uh, took a close look at Hebrews chapter 11 and how faith is really being able to see. And it's it's a lot more than just believing that God is, but it's understanding God's purpose and what he's going to do and having faith and trust in that. Uh, We've also looked at how to increase our faith and how we can feel like we're little in faith sometimes, but we we turn to God and we can realize that we can be of of great faith and we can be strengthened in our faith through hearing God's word, reading God's word, listening, but also praying to God that we might receive faith through wisdom and also through the things that we suffer, which is one of the ways that God uses to increase our faith. Now, faith is a huge subject in the Bible. So in this podcast, we want to focus in on the importance of faith because it's how God has set up salvation for us. Faith saves is basically what we want to talk about in this podcast. In the other podcast, we looked at the first time Faith was used in the New Testament, and we said there that in our studies, where a word is first used, is often important. Hmm. Have you found that in your study?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Always interesting to see the origin of something, right. the genesis of something.
1: Right. It yeah. almost seems like God, you know, through the Spirit and the Word, just puts forth that first word and says, "I want you to think about this." It was really interesting in the New Testament how Jesus, the first use of Jesus's use of faith, is. O ye of little faith, right? And we talked about that in the last podcast. But do you know where in the Old Testament
0: where faith is first used? In my sentence that I gave to you, I gave it away a little bit. <laughs> the genesis of a word. Uh, yeah. To the loyal listeners, they may be able to catch on to a few things there. But yeah. uh, I, I'd, I'd suggest we probably go back to, all the way back to the book of Genesis. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. You know, I've, I've asked people this question. A lot of times they'll say, oh, I think it's Abel. And I says, well, you know, I know where you're coming from. Because in, in Hebrews chapter 11, Abel is the first mention of faith, but when you go back to Genesis, it doesn't actually mention the word faith there, but his actions were faithful. Even Noah was never technically called faithful man, even though he was called a just man. we will going see that's important. It's tied with faith. We'll see that in our studies here. But the first place that faith is mentioned, this is a little tricky because it's actually translated believed, right? Because believed is the verb portion of of faith are actually the same word. And it's in Genesis 15, verse 6. So, you think that's pretty incredible that if faith is so essential in our Bibles, it only really uses the word the first time in Genesis 15, verse 6, even though we see all these examples of faith before that, right? So, I almost think that, like, the scriptures have almost reserved this word for this Mm time. And, when we come to it, it's the faith of Abraham that's at the center here. It's chapter 15 and verse 6. It says that Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now we're going to find that this verse is actually quoted in the New Testament. And I love when there are quotes in the New Testament, and the Old Testament because they're kind of like bridges for words. And so we saw in the New Testament the Greek word for faith is pistis, but in this passage here, which is quoted in the New Testament where the word is pistis, this word in the Hebrew is aman, a m a n, and the Hebrews it's very similar to the Greek, but it has the idea of being established or strength strengthened or firm or steady right? Something that you can put your trust in is the
0: idea. Something relied upon.
1: Yeah, ac- excellent. So that's where this idea of faith comes from and it's connected to the words truth in that sense too. So it's something solid, right? So this is the the first occurrence of this word and it has to do with this man named Abraham. Now, if you've never considered this before, I mean, it's it's worth considering the, the background of Abraham and who he was.
0: Yeah, interesting, Tim, that it, this would be the first place and this would be the first individual that this word would be, would be used of. Because you think about Abraham and the type of man he was, faith is certainly characteristic of who he was and what he showed in his life. And if we actually come back, I know we're in Genesis 15. Yeah. But it's interesting to come back to Genesis chapter 12. Because Genesis chapter 12 is really the introduction we have to this man. He's called Abram here, before God changed his name to Abraham. Right. But of course, here, this is really when the promises to Abraham are beginning. They. This is where they they start. And if you just look at verses 1 to 4 of Genesis 12, there's a few things that we pick up on of, of the character of Abraham that then kind of, you know, transpose themselves throughout the rest of the Uh, the record as well as into the New Testament. And if you just notice from the very beginning in Genesis 12 and verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now the promises come and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what do we notice? Well, before the promises were given, Abram had to do something. Yeah. He had to do three things that God outlined for him. Leave your country, leave your father's house, leave your family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not easy. You know, we think Mm -hmm. of of decisions that we have to go through and, you know, oftentimes it's not that difficult And yet Abraham was told to do something very difficult before he could receive the promises that God was giving to him.
1: Leaving his family. Mm. But look at verse 4. What do we notice? So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Three words.
0: So Abram went. Now you think about ourselves again. When we have a decision, when we're faced with something, when we have to put our faith into action, oftentimes there's talking back, questioning. Oh, yeah. Some kind of, is this really the way that it has to go? Yeah. Abram went. That's it. He didn't question what God was putting forward in his life. He just did it. As God said, he obeyed. And so the faith of this man now carries its way forward throughout the record that we see. He had faith in God And ultimately, he had faith in what God had promised to him. And so that's why it's so interesting. Now, this word is first used in relation to this man who had that type of behavior in his life. When God asked of him to do something, to show this faith that he had, so Abram went. And so now we come back to Genesis 15. And we're back to that that verse where this first occurrence comes up. Genesis 15 and verse 6. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is characteristic of Abram. We're not surprised here now, are we? That of course Abram believed God. He believed in God, in the character of God. That what God says he would do, he would perform. Well, what else do we notice? Of course, it was Abram's attitude that became the condition for salvation. It was his belief. It was his faith that he showed in the God Uh, That he believed in and this becomes a catalyst of course then for being counted righteous and in the definition that you talked about In uh, you know this word faith being uh, sure and steadfast and being established That was abram's faith. His faith was firm. It was resolute uh, It was very sure in the god that he believed in
1: I think the incredible thing here is that uh, What is he being so firm in his faith towards? is that God is promising that he's going to have a son. Now, that maybe is not so incredible for all of us until we realize how old is Abram at this point. He's somewhere between 75 and 86 years old. And Sarah, his wife, is just 10 years younger. So they're not spring chickens. It's it's past the prime of their life, and they're infertile. And any couple who's been through this know how frustrating it is and how it really can knock you down. Yet, Abram believed God that he was going to give him a child past all hope, past anything we could ever think that would ever happen uh, naturally. And so that that's what he believed in, in God, that God had promised that he have a son, a seed. So, when we come to this this one verse, verse 6, I do a thing when I'm, when I'm Bible studying. I actually mark up my Bible. I know you do the same mm, thing, mm-hmm. just to help highlight th- certain things. And make it come alive a bit more. Make it come alive. And I don't know, if, if you have a brand new Bible, maybe you're scared of marking in it. But uh, believe me, don't be scared of marking in your Bible. It's one of the most wonderful, rewarding things that you can do in your Bible study. And so I've gone through my Bible and actually put in red, uh, a red line around verses that are quoted in the New Testament and vice versa. New Testament quotes that are from the Old Testament so that they stand out. And I know I'm seeing something that's being referred to in the New Testament. Have you done a similar thing in
0: yeah, so in in my Bible, I have a what's called a center margin that kind of breaks up the, the left side to the right side of the page. Oh yeah, and you'll often see it'll have a little a little clue to follow. It'll say cited in, and then it'll say the New Testament passage, okay. or same thing. So you're the talking New about Testament.
1: marginal references. It, so you highlight the marginal reference. I highlight
0: the marginal reference just to give my eyes something to glance towards yeah. to then be reminded to take a look at that verse. Yeah. What's the context text with which either it was used previously. Or what's the context to which it's brought forward again in the New Testament? So a helpful exercise as you go through your own Bible study. If you're not
1: familiar with this, your your Bibles have these little references in the margins. And you have to align them with the verse. And they'll tell you other places to go that talk about similar subjects. Or often, in this case, they'll tell you where it's quoted in the New Testament. And And this is the case here. If you have your Bible and you have marginal references, you can look at this in Genesis 15, verse 6. And if you look in the margin, and hopefully you're going to see this, you're going to see a reference to Romans chapter 4. Uh, usually it's Romans chapter 4, verses 3, 9, and or 22. And you'll have a reference to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. And then you should have another one to James 2 and verse 23. Right?
0: Three times, Tim, what does it tell you?
1: (laughs) I think, you all if it's quoted once, you know, that's important. If it's quoted twice, man, that's doubly important. It's quoted three times, (laughs) I better sit up and pay attention. And so this this verse is really important, even though it's just so small and it's just kind of just tucked in the record right there. That's why we have to read very slowly and pay attention. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So faith, he's saying, is counted to Abraham for righteousness. And that's what we have to be, right? We have to be righteous somehow, even though we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need to have this righteousness counted to us. So what we're going to do here in the, in the podcast, this is kind of a quote study. We're going to take the lead of the Bible and use it to interpret itself and give us indicators of how to understand this passage and to realize how important it is. And so let's go through these. There's Romans 4, there's Galatians 3, and there's James chapter 2. So let's start in Romans chapter 4. Now, Romans is the great uh, epistle by the Apostle Paul, which goes through The atonement, how we're reconciled to God, even though that we're sinners. And so, right, we're coming right in the middle of this argument. So, it's a little difficult. You really, this is where you really want to sit down for a lengthy period and just read through this whole thing so you don't lose the continuity. But his whole thing that he's arguing about here is are we justified? And really, when we say justified, are we made righteous? Just and, and righteous are the same words in in the New Testament. When you're justified, right, from something, you're you're made clear or you're made righteous. He's saying, are we justified by the works of the law? Now, he says this in chapter 3 in verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So, the Jews trusted in the works of the law that if I do this, then I'll be righteous. If I follow these commandments, God will see me as righteous. And Paul says, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. It works by faith. That's how we're counted righteous. So he's going to spend the whole of chapter four talking about Abraham and how Abraham was justified by his faith. So let's just start off this chapter and we're going to read... um, verses one through five. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. There's our quote, right? Right there in verse Mm -hmm. three. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as a due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So this verse, this example about Abraham becomes the centerpiece of his argument. He's actually going to use it in three places in this chapter. Verse 3, and verse 9, and verse 22. That's how centerpiece it is for his argument. So what is he saying? He's saying, if it's by the works of the law that were made righteous before God, it's, it's like God owes us something. So we're saying to God, you know, I, I've done this, God, pay up. And he's saying, think, just think about that. It's how a dangerous lu- place to be in. Dangerous. It's ludicrous. Mm. How could we say to God, you owe me something, Right. And so he's he's turning around, he, he's trying to convince the Jews of this, but he's saying, it doesn't work that way, right? We are justified by faith. So he turns to Abraham, and it's a perfect verse, isn't it? Genesis 15, mm-hmm. verse, verse 6, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. That word counted is really interesting. <laughs> I just got to bring it up because he he uses it. You'll see it in verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, It means to count. It means to number, like take an inventory. So the whole question is, is God going to count our sin to us? Is he going to count us as sinful? How is he going to count us or account to us righteousness? So even though we're all sinners, how is God going to look on us as righteous even though we're not? And he says it's through faith. If we have faith in God, he can count us righteous.
0: How thankful we are that that's the way God looks upon us, that through faith, we now have this opportunity. If he was just counting the sins, no way, that'd be a rough position to be stuck in. Yeah. And yet, there's another way that God can you know, allow us to be counted towards. And it's this faith that we're, we're kind of talking through, and as it was evident in, in the life of, of Abraham.
1: Now, I just wanted to continue on here because his discussion about this continues through verses 6 through 8. And this is really another important section, I think, because he mentions a blessing. Now, you had brought up Genesis 12 before, that through Abraham, all nations would be blessed, right? So, you're thinking, how how is everybody going to be blessed through Abraham? Well, he was promised a seed. And really, that seed has to do with far in the future. It's talking about Jesus Christ. That seed is Jesus Christ. Now, we can prove that from other passages, but it makes sense, doesn't it? This seed, then, would bring us blessing by the forgiveness of sins, that he would take away our sins. That was the whole purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, just when we read this, just think of this blessing being the forgiveness of sins. It says, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So there's that word count there, and God could count sin against us, but blessed is a man whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now, just as a a really good cross-reference off of this, if you pay attention to that word blessed in other places in Scripture, there's another one in Acts chapter 3. So in Romans, we had Paul. In Acts chapter 3, we have the apostle Peter. But they're saying the same exact thing. It's the same message. And at the end of one of Peter's speeches in the Acts, in chapter 3, in verse 25, he says, you, he's talking about Jews here, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So he quotes Genesis 12 right there, doesn't he? Peter's using that as proof. But he in the next verse, in verse 26, he describes this blessing and what it is. He says this, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So the blessing there is turning you from your wickedness. Repentance. And we already have a podcast on how repentance is turning, right? So there it is. God has given us the avenue that we might repent and have faith towards him so that he might count us righteous, having our sins forgiven. Isn't that, that's wonderful, isn't it?
0: It's amazing how the Bible just weaves these themes together. Now, we don't have time to go through all of chapter four, but I wanted to just skip
1: down to verses uh, 18 through 25. How he ends this chapter is really powerful, and it draws us into this whole thing, showing how we're connected with this. It's We're going to start here, at verse 18. It says, in hope he, that is Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us, who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification isn't that so powerful and you see abraham though even though he was his body was as good as dead he did not waver he was fully convinced that god was able to do as he promised even though it might seem impossible to men but I think it's just incredible how he says, you know, this, this wasn't written just for Abraham. It's written for us. So when we're reading Genesis and we're reading about the faith of Abraham and how he's, it was counted to him as righteousness, that same principle holds true for us if we have faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Mm. And I love, I love the way it's worded. In verse 21, he was fully convinced yeah fully convinced and that's again the same expectation for each one of us and that belief must now affect our way of life that's right. what we're being told yeah it's for us also and that is why this book is alive we have to see ourselves in its pages that's what should motivate us to pick it up off the shelf and to read it
1: let's uh, go on to the second one where was that one
0: Galatians chapter 3 right. and verse 6. Again now we're into the uh, another letter of Paul. And in uh, Galatians chapter 3, we will come across uh, our our quote again, but once again get those highlighters out because you're going to see a lot of the same words that we've been we've yeah. been looking at. I almost say I almost think
1: like Galatians 3 is kind of a compact version of Romans almost, but there's little other
0: details here. Yeah, and it's up. interesting, isn't it? it you, know, you look at the beginning of chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? And yet you come down, you start to see in verse 6, now all of a sudden our minds are brought to the same places that we've been already in this podcast because it says, ah, just as Abraham. Now our minds are racing. Mm. Okay, where is Abraham mentioned? Our minds go back to Genesis. We start tracing through the life of Abraham. And let's just read a few verses here. It says, just as Abraham, this is Galatians 3, verse 6, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So here what we see, number one, is that Abraham is certainly now brought forward in this context. There's our quote, the same quote that we had already looked at in Romans chapter 4 from Genesis 15 and verse 6. Yeah, there it is. And yet what do we see? verse 7, once again, it connects to the very end of what we looked at in Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 24. Because now we can be tied into these verses with Abraham. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Ooh, yeah. Otherwise, it's easy for us to distance ourselves from the faith of Abraham. We can't do that anymore. No. Because I'm not of Abraham's seed from a bloodline perspective. But here what it's showing Oh, you're us, really a Gentile. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if there's any confusion. But what it shows here is that you're the children of Abraham, not by bloodline, but by faith. Right. And let's just keep reading to make that crystal clear. Verse 8 continues, And this scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith... Ooh. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of, not the bloodline of Abraham, Mm. those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the man of faith. So right away we see again, there's this aspect that we can be drawn into this. And it's an incredible comparison that once again is being brought out between faith and works, between faith and the law. And that reference, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, starts to show us once again the pattern that Paul is picking up on here in Galatians. And then continuing on into verse 10, "'For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, "Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them.'" that's a tall task to live up to. If you just think about it for a second, the law required 100% compliance in order to be justified. So Tim, you went to to university, you went to the University of Washington. I did, yes. And if you just think about the exams and the tests that you had to write, most passing grades were what? 50%? Maybe 60%? I
1: was Valley Victorian, I always got 100%. No. uh, It was not that way at
0: all. (laughs) So when you think of the exams that you have to write, most passing grades, we say minimum 50%. Right. It's like if you had to, in order to pass those courses, you had to get 100%. Right. What a tall task. Yeah. You'd have a a dropout rate. That's impossible. Astronomically high. And that is what we see here from the law, the law's perspective, 100% compliance to be justified. But there's something different that we see come out in the words of Paul. It's this aspect of faith. Mm. And now we start to see as we just trace again, we don't have the time to go into it. But as you start to trace the words down, look at verse 21. He starts to bring this forward. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, under the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. There's our connection once again. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So now here's another component that gets brought into this, the importance of baptism. And I believe future podcasts will cover off in great detail this, this aspect of baptism. But now we start to see, well, how can we show this faith in our life? How can we become part of the promises to Abraham? Baptism. Right. It becomes very clear. This is God's expectation. And I'll just read verse 29 again. Yes, please. And if you are Christ. See, Tim, there's a choice that has to be made. Mm. There's a choice that the listener, the reader, the believer has to make in their life to be Christ. It's to go through that aspect of baptism, to show the faith that we have through this now, this aspect of baptism, this, this impetus for us to do something with the faith that we have in God, in his word, and in the promises that he made to Abraham.
1: Yeah, very good. And it kind of brings up a question because a lot of people talk, see baptism as a as a work, and they kind of dismiss it. But that brings us to our our next passage, James chapter two, and verse twenty three. You'll see it quoted there. But just to back up and get a little bit of the context here, because his subject is faith again, and it's about the faith that saves. As he talks about it here, you'll pick up on this. But we're going to start back in verse 14, because he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So there's a bit of a dispute here in some circles and throughout history that James is really contradictory to Paul. hmm and i would say that's not the case at all. we we need to see james here as expanding on what paul says. and i'll, I'll bring you a verse a couple of verses later on where we'll see that paul's in total agreement with yeah, james. that'd be helpful. but what james is saying here is that true faith produces fruit. it produces action, it produces works. i mean, you've been saying that before too, right? but this is what he's saying here. so if you pay very careful attention in the esv it says can that faith save him? So we can have a, a faith that's not a true faith. It's a faith in vain. It's a faith that's maybe deceived, maybe a faith that believes a lie, right? There is a true faith. And what James is saying here is that your faith, your true faith will just dis- be displayed in your actions. So he says in verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, like you don't do anything for them, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So there's the qualifier. Our faith to be true faith is in action, and we've already seen that in Hebrews 11, because when we went through all the examples there, it was by faith Somebody was moved to do something. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham left his country and his family. So by faith, it produces fruit. It's no different than what Jesus or Paul was saying. Just give you an example, like Jesus, we're not going to turn there, but in Matthew chapter seven, verses 15 to 20, he goes through and he says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Their fruits are their actions. So Jesus is saying here that look at what they're doing will be a, an indicator of where their faith is at. Now this one I do want to turn to, it's one by Paul. It's in Galatians chapter five in verse six. Now this is interesting because we were just in Galatians, weren't we? <laughs> where Paul was arguing that it's it's not by works of the law that we're we're justified, but here in just a chapter over in, Gal- in Galatians chapter 5, and in verse 6, he says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Do you see that there? Only faith working through love. Mm. So even Paul, you know, understood that faith works through love. What he's arguing in other parts is it's not works that will save you. It's not just that alone. You're getting the cart before the horse, as it were, right? (laughs) He's saying, yeah, it's faith first. Works comes from that, right? Now, another one is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. And this one, this is the one that really seals it for me. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, you probably recognize because it's very popular to say we are saved by grace, and not by works. Well, that's where this thought comes from here. But when people say that, they're leaving out an important part of it. Uh, you know what part they're leaving out? Let's read it. <laughs> then let's read it carefully yeah. and slowly, right? This is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And gotta that's keep what reading. Yeah, you gotta keep reading and very very slow and, and deliberate. They're missing the through faith part there, right? And let me just continue the verse, because there's even more here that we need to consider. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So the gift of God is to give us this avenue of faith that we might have, that we might be saved. So in verse 9, he says, It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But look what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul's not excluding any sort of works. He's mm-hmm. saying you are created as a new creature in Christ to walk in faith, to produce works. That's what God wants you to
0: do. We run into trouble, it seems as if you're saying Tim. him, we run into trouble when we start to compartmentalize some of those thoughts. Mm. We just segment works by themselves, faith by itself. Right. And, right. And so you have to have a complete picture. Right. You have to kind of get above it to see every aspect of it and how they work in conjunction with each other.
1: Right. Good point. So just getting back to James, I think we can see that Paul and James are in complete agreement, but we haven't really covered the quote that James has for, for Abraham. So let's, where was that again? James.
0: (laughs) James 2. 2, verse 23. So we're back in James chapter 2. And let's just pick back up in verse 21. We read there, it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So James here, we see, is using the record back in Genesis 22 now to show the fulfillment of that quote in Genesis 15. Here's that action now, and it's being fulfilled. And I know, Tim, you had some thoughts on this, that it's as if this was a prophecy. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's, it's not just like faith is a one-time thing. I got faith and then you're counted as righteousness. And it, it seems like James is saying here, like it's a fulfillment of his whole life of faith that this action that he was, was moved to do really just kind of sealed the, the whole aspect of Abraham that you can see that it was fully in his heart. But it came out in his actions and everything he did. And so the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness.
0: And it's an amazing thing that he picks up on the actions back in Genesis 22. Mm. Because he didn't offer up Isaac. He stopped before that deed was done. Right. I mean, he
1: had the knife raised. It was ready to come
0: down, but it stopped. Yeah, and the words in Genesis 22, verse 16, it actually says, Abraham, you have done this thing. Well, he hadn't. Mm. But in his mind, it was as if that was completed. Yeah. So Abraham obeyed even to offer up his son. He was justified by that obedience. His faith was manifested in his works. And so it said that you have done this thing, Abraham. That's an amazing thing to think about. It was as if that action was done in Abraham's mind. And so to your point, It's not just a one-time thing. We see that here. It's now being fulfilled. This is a growing process that we now have to go through in our own lives. And how encouraging is that to think about as we just sit back now and we read the Bible, we study it. It's a growing process that we're going to go through as well to make our faith come alive. It's not immediate. It's not something that'll just turn on overnight for us. It's something, Tim, you've been studying the Bible for many years and your faith is still growing.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely.
0: And that's encouraging for those that may be picking up the Bible for the first time. Those that are 30 years into their their journey studying the scriptures, studying the word of God, it's going to take time and energy and effort. But if we focus our time and our energy and our effort on reading the word of God slowly and carefully, as you've said, our faith will be developed with the help of God along the way.
1: Right. Well, Steve, this is great. I mean, we've this is like just seems like the tip of the iceberg to me because there's so much here on this subject about how faith saves, right? But we're centered around this aspect of how our our, by our faith, God is able to count us righteous, Mm. and we've looked at this example just through this one verse, letting the scriptures you know show us from Genesis 15 verse six and how it's quoted in three places in the in the New Testament, and how really. Faith has to have action, and it has to work out, as we've seen from James, and this just all together shows us how important f- faith is, justifies us with God and how we can be seen righteous before him, even though we are sinners, that we've all sinned. So I want to thank you again for being here, Steve. It's been a great little discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I hope you have too. Just a reminder that you can... Come and visit us on www.essentialbiblestudies.org, and you can pick up on past shows. Like us on Facebook. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those social media types. Your social media type, Steve. Slowly. Slowly. I yeah. think your wife more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of like you do it through her kind of thing. Get all the news. You've you asked us to links. like
0: this page, so I think we'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> to you. Get into that. Don't think you have. To. Sorry. <laughs>
1: This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.